This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for What in the World with Paul Sieber, his sidekick, John Donalo, and it is being brought to you by Yes, I Can Coaching with Karen, and I'm Karen. How do you like that? Wow. <laughs> I like it. Was that my cue? <laughs> and we're right on time today. <laughs> I need to. I really do need to start coming to rehearsal. Boy, you guys have it all straight here. Hi, everybody. This is Paul Seaburn in your ear, uh, host of What in the World, everybody's favorite weird news show. Real news, sometimes strange, always funny. That's our motto. Uh, the first voice you had in your ear, I know, I'm not sure which one she comes in on these days, is uh, Karen Hale. Karen is the media mogul at NewClevelandRadio.net, our platform. She is also the co-host of our show and producer and sponsor via uh, Yes, I Can Coaching with Karen. So if you need some coaching services, go to NewClevelandRadio.net. Check out the uh, whatever link she has there for that. Check out the link for our show, which tells you how to download it, where to find us. Also, we are on YouTube and uh, many of our stories have photos that go along with them. So Although we, we describe everything that we're talking about, it's always fun to look at the photos. And it's also fun to look and see what we look like and laugh at us. Speaking of that, um, our other co-host is my old buddy, John Danalo, host of What in the World of Sports, color commentary and all-around good guy. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, Paul. Hey, Karen. It's good to see you folks again. And uh, another Tuesday and another great show we have lined up. So I'm sure our audience will be impressed. Yes, good weather today in Northeast Ohio. Um, so we're we're uh, we we dodged a, a thunderstorm, I believe. Uh, although there may be some tonight. John John is always dressed in some appropriate sports pair uh, memorabilia of of sorts. This week he is wearing uh, the hat of the school that he and I met at that we talk about quite frequently, John Carroll University in University Heights, Ohio. They are in the NCAA Division Three men's basketball tournament go blue streaks <laughs> blue streaks blue streaks Paul. yeah it, it, fantastic fantastic season by them they have 25 wins and uh they've really played well together obviously and uh won a very close game this weekend over uh, their arch rival mount union 88 86 and uh they're really looking forward to being able to go deep in the tournament so good luck to the streaks and uh we'll be behind you Yes, and also good luck to our adopted lacrosse team, the Panther City, Panther City Lacrosse Club in Arlington. Are they in Arlington, Texas? No, Fort oh, Worth. Fort Worth. They're in, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, they, forget Arlington. Fort Worth. They're in the, the beautiful city of Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I, they are playing very well. They're on the rise in the standings. So uh, if you like lacrosse and you like professional lacrosse, uh, they are on uh, many of the major cable networks, so check them out, the Panther City Lacrosse Club. Um, let's see, who else do we want to? Oh, I want to do a shout out to my buddy Dave down in Houston. I've known Dave for a long, long time, as well as his sister and his brother-in-law. That would be uh, Tex Chick and um, the High Price Mates. Uh, so, uh, Dave, hello. Thanks for being a supporter of the show. And uh, without that, with, or, or with that, without further ado, let's get to uh, what we're going to talk about today on What in the World. Uh, we're, not, we're not on the right day and the right time today, right? Is that right? With we Tuesday certainly are. Locked in. We are locked in. Yes. You realize, you know, I, I forgot, I was looking through my, my, my copy that I post out on Facebook, and I, for quite a while, it was Eastern Standard Time, and I was still posting Eastern Daylight Time. We're two weeks away from going back to Daylight Saving Time. Yay! No. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I I go out walking early in the morning, and I'm I'm enjoying being able to get up early and still be uh, have enough light that I don't get run over by my neighbors going to work. So uh, it's a good thing. Karen, on the other hand, Karen likes the uh, late night. Late yes, night lights. Late night lights. There we go. Yep. Good. All right. Well, let's see. What am I going to talk about today? Uh oh, oh, oh. Strange coffee drinks from China. Where do you hear this? It, and from Starbucks, not just from China, but from Starbucks in China. Uh John always likes the monsters. This week we've got a Loch Ness monster story. A person oh. you should take if you're looking for the Loch Ness monster. Um 
Long distance dribbling in Texas. Dave, this is for you. Uh, pigs in baseball and in Paris. Two different stories. One thing in common, pigs. Uh, nuns, in Spain, <laughs> nuns in Spain that you shouldn't mess with. John and I were raised by nuns. Uh, we, we're feral children. They found us in the woods and the nuns. <laughs> Very influential in our in our upbringing, Paul. Very, oh, very, very influential. <laughs> very much so. Oh yeah. We uh, we went to Catholic schools. You're gonna love this story. Uh, fast cars, fast little cars, and shaky big cars. Common theme there. Cars. The two two different stories. A lot of fun with those. Uh, more odd news. I've got some world records. We've got trivia. John's our big trivia guy. We've got. Uh, Strange sport, including John's strange sport of the week. So we'll be talking about that at the end of the show. And then we wrap things up with Bluff the Co-host, everybody's favorite weird news show. So let's get right to it with our first story. And that is from China, where Starbucks of China. <clears throat> I wonder if there's a country that doesn't have a Starbucks. I wonder if there's a continent. I bet you they have a Starbucks down in Antarctica. We should look it that up. It would stand a reason that they have something down there. Something. Yeah. yeah. Well, Starbucks is everywhere in the United States. What do you think is the favorite, is the top selling, or, or I guess when, when people are polled, what's your favorite flavor? What flavor do you think they say? Karen, you you go to Starbucks quite a bit or, or coffee shops. What do you think is the top flavor? Uh, cold brew? Oh, I, I, cold brew is very popular. Yeah, okay. John, how about you? Any ideas? Uh, boy, I don't know. Um, what's the pumpkin spice? <laughs> pumpkin spice, yeah. That's, I, I, that's what I would say, even though, you know, when I go there, I'm I'm, I'm that, that cranky old man who orders black coffee. What do you mean you don't have black coffee? I just want black coffee. <laughs> There's no such thing. So uh, believe it or not, Karen, you were the closest. The, the the number one top flavor that people ask for is iced brown sugar oat milk shaken espresso. Now, I, I know that's like about 10 different instructions in there somehow, but that's the top <laughs> flavor. Yeah. I don't even know what color that would be once you once you pour everything in there and shake it up. I you know, God only knows what color it is. I don't want a drink that's whose name is longer than it takes the barista to make it. And that's getting pretty close right there. <laughs> number two, number two, John, you were on the money. Uh, pumpkin cream cold brew. Okay. Number three, iced caramel macchiato. And number four, pumpkin spice latte. So pumpkin okay. spice took two five yeah yeah and ice also took two of the top five two three of the top five <clears throat> i'm surprised at that but um that who knows okay and Most no starbucks no starbucks in antarctica no oh, starbucks no. In antarctica. No. wow yeah well maybe we could open a franchise down there maybe yeah okay so, so uh, this is the most, I, I said to China, this is actually the most popular flavor in Hong Kong. Most popular Starbucks coffee flavor in Hong Kong. Get ready for this, pork latte. Now, <laughs> I happen to have a, a, a photograph of a cup of pork latte. Let's see, there, there it is right there. I've got a couple oh, of photos yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, oh, John, you can tell from John's voice that this is a tasty looking cup of Coffee with cream, and on a skewer is a what looks I, I'm hoping is a cooked piece of pork floating in the top of the cup. Uh, they um, they they came out with this flavor to celebrate the Chinese Lunar New Year, and I believe that this year it's the year of indigestion, which is why they have. <laughs> aptly <laughs> said, Paul. Aptly said. Yeah. I know, John. You would. I. I don't think you would go anywhere near that cup of coffee. No, not at all. I'm not a coffee drinker in the first place, and then <laughs> pork on top of it. Uh-uh. I'm not going there. Sorry. You're a pork eater, and you pretty much eat anything on a skewer. But I don't think you'd be eating this. Uh, no, skewer. you're right, Paul and Karen and audience. No, I would not. I would not touch that with a ten foot pole. Or or a ten foot skewer. Okay, so for you baristas out there, this drink combines get ready for this dong po braised pork flavor sauce with espresso and steamed milk 
with extra pork sauce and pork breast meat for garnish. So that's what that is right there, pork breast meat. I've never heard of, of, of anyone referring to the pork, the, 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 the breast of the pig as no. a part of the Yeah, really, the unless it's the underbelly, yeah. underbelly or something. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's got to be, John. I would, let me just say this to everybody listening. Don't go into your favorite barbecue restaurant and say, hey, you got any pork breast here? You'll get thrown out. <laughs> yeah. The, you get thrown you out know. on your ear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, half of those ingredients I, I would use to make pork sausage. So I don't, you know, it's it just, it's strange. Now, I'm not even going to ask how much you would pay for this because I know neither Karen nor John, or probably most of you would not want to buy it. This drink cost $9.45 in Hong really? Kong. Yeah, oh, six, terrible. Almost $10 for that. At that price. I, I don't just want a cup of coffee with a little piece of, of pork floating on it. I want a full entree. I want a pork roast slice. I want mashed potatoes. I want gravy. I want green beans. I want bread. I want some ice cream for dessert. You can put it in a blender and mix it up. I don't care, but I, I want all that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, Pork-flavored coffee. You know, I, I was thinking the closest I've had to pork-flavored coffee would be at a a barbecue restaurant in Houston and and you don't buy the coffee at a barbecue restaurant in Houston because everybody drinks iced tea. So the coffee has probably been sitting in that coffee pot for weeks and it's absorbing <laughs> all that smoke and pork flavor and, and, and just baking away on the bottom of that, on that pot. And then they, you ask for coffee and they, and they pour that sludge into your cup and it smells like pork and, and barbecue sauce and probably armpits and everything else. That, oh that, no. <laughs> yeah, <please. laughs> oh my god so tasters taste and of course they had tasters tasters say that the, this uh pork drink is unique with a dense smooth mouth feel now you know what else has a dense smooth mouth feel your tongue after you drink this stuff <laughs> uh, <laughs> my wow so that oh i think i have i do i have another oh yeah here's so, so they decorated in different ways. This one has a this this particular one here. Look, the, the, that photo on the left looks like a very fancy restaurant where they're serving this pork coffee. Beautifully folded origami napkins over there, paper napkins. Um, <clears throat> the one on the right has you know little decorations on the coffee. I'm not sure there's a name. I think there's a name for that. That looks like the same photo there. And there's another one uh, with some Chinese letters on there that says. Ten dollars. I don't. I'm sure that's what it says. If you want this stuff, ten bucks. Um, so, anyways, all right. So let's move on to uh, some paranormal news. The um, Loch Ness monster. You know, we don't get. John always points out that we don't get too many Loch Ness monsters. That is very so true, Paul, Aaron. That's yeah. very true. As a matter of fact, there's a photo with this one. So, uh, but it's an interesting. Uh, photo that goes along with the story. So if you're hunting for the Loch Ness monster, you probably want to take somebody along with you who knows how to hunt for things that are hard to find. Um, you know, like that guy who hosts America's Most Wanted. He's always looking for people and he occasionally finds them. He might be a good person to take along. Or <laughs> a world champion, right? A world champion hide-and-seek player would be a good person to take sure, along. Sure. Yeah. Or um, Waldo. You know, from the from the where's what that where's Waldo guy. He knows how to hide, so he might know where a good place a monster would hide as well. So here's another choice for you. The lady's name is Frida Sofia Guzman Munoz. Does that does that name ring a bell to you, John? Oh, it does not really. <laughs> well, I doubt if you'll recognize her from this photo here. There she is looking out. Uh, on the lock and the back of a of a boat where she's okay. looking for the monster. That is the granddaughter of the former drug cartel boss El Chapo, the uh, Colombian cartel leader. Um, uh, he was um, he escaped from a maximum security prison in 2001, and in, around the world they could not find him until. 2014. So he stayed hidden for, for almost 14 years. So I'm sure she's got the genes to, to know how to hide. You know, they said she's not <laughs> part of the cartel. But, you know, I, I'm sure something got passed down to uh, Felice uh, for, 
Frida. Frida is her name. Frida. Um, so, um, uh, so I'm, I'm sure she sat at his knee and said, Papa, how do you hide? How do you hide so much? And, uh, and he explained it all to her. Um, <laughs> so, so she either knows where the Loch Ness monster is hiding or she knows where the Loch Ness monster is hiding his drugs. One or the other, she would be the pr proper person to talk to in that situation. Or of a detective, you're saying, Paul, having detective skills or investigative skills. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she's the good half. You know, she's the she's the granddaughter who who went to the to the she didn't go to the dark side, as they say. But okay. and I'll tell you what, though, I wouldn't argue with her because, you know, she might be on the back of that boat and she could be pointing out on that lock and say, look, look, there it is. That's the Loch Ness monster. And the captain comes over and says, no, I'm sorry, little girl. That's the uh, that's a log. And then the next thing you hear is the captain splashing in the water as her one of her bodyguards throws him overboard. And, and they pat her on the back and say, no, no, Frida, that's the Loch Ness monster. Let's go find another captain. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, anyway, El Chapo, if you're listening to the, <laughs> to the podcast, that was a joke. Remember, that was a joke. <laughs> we love your granddaughter. We love you. We love your granddaughter. Stay, at, stay where you're at. You're in good hands there. Okay. World records. We love our world records. This one comes from Texas, as a matter of fact. We're talking about Texas quite a bit on the show here. Texas man broke the Guinness World Record uh, when he finished a half marathon running race in a time of one hour, 21 minutes, and 39 seconds while dribbling a basketball the entire wow. time. So that's half a marathon. That's 13.1 miles, dribbled the entire time, one hour, 21 minutes. He finished in 12th place overall overall against all these people who were not dribbling basketball. Um, you know, I have a hard time walking and dribbling at the same time, but dribbling a basketball. Um, I played basketball in grade school. They named traveling after me in grade school. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, Paul, people call, people call that the excitement step. A lot of times the excitement step. Exactly. John, yeah. So here, here he is with a with a um, a mascot from one of the local teams, um, a, a wolfish kind of thing. I think that's a college, a local college. So he uh, one hour and twenty minutes. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Ben Dong Wong is his name. Graduate student at the University of Texas at San Antonio. Finished in uh, this was this uh, uh, Austin Marathon and Half Marathon last Saturday. <clears throat> average pace, average pace, dribbling. Six minutes and 14 seconds. I mean, that's a that's a phenomenal running pace. He's dribbling at the same right. time. I, I figured out how he finished 12th, though. I think everybody in front of him got annoyed, annoyed listening to the sound of that ball yeah. bouncing. <laughs> bouncing. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> you go, go on ahead. I will. We'll catch the next race. Um, could LeBron do this? Here's a question for a sports question for you, John. Do you think LeBron James could? run a mile let's just say a mile in six minutes while dribbling a basketball well he's a big guy you know i don't know if he'd be able to do that i mean he may you know yeah. i think that'd be very difficult though i mean well yeah. it he has people who dribble for him now so you know, he doesn't, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't have to worry him. about that that's right yeah. that's exactly right <laughs> He just stands in the corner or underneath the basket. You know, he's LeBron. I'm LeBron. Hey, I, I don't dribble. Um, all right. Another unusual sports story. Now, John, it's spring training time. This is our first spring training story of 2024. Okay. Now, in fact, it's only, is it is it officially started or is it unofficial? Yeah, it's officially started. Yes. For Cleveland, uh, their uh, spring training started this past Saturday. So, yeah. It is. But, well, I think all teams are in camp right now, I think. I think they're all in camp. Oh, okay, okay. So this comes from uh, from from Cincinnati, from the Cincinnati Reds. So I this is an interesting story, and you may have heard this. You can fill us in to avoid injuries during drills for catchers trying to um, tag a runner out who is running home. Okay, so runners coming down the third baseline, sliding into home plate. Catcher has to catch the ball and tag them out. Causes a lot of injuries. So the Cincinnati Reds came up with a way to uh, protect their catchers while still giving them time to practice tagging the runner out. And this is what they do. They have a pig, a stuffed pig, 
on the end of a rope or a wire. And they wow. they pull this stuff pig down the third baseline. And then an outfielder throws the ball in and the catcher has to tag the pig. <clears throat> they try to they tried it with a live pig, but you know what happened? The live pig went wee wee all the way home. And now got your horn there, Paul. Got your horn. Aww. Very good. Very good. That was the hottest joke on Facebook last week. I was I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I knew it was, I knew yeah. it was good. I knew all my there friends was love. Yeah, yeah. So this wouldn't would this work in any other sport? I mean, using a, a stuffed pig to practice something. I was thinking in the NBA. You don't want to use a pig if you're playing against the Minnesota Timberwolves because wolves <laughs> and long, right? Right, sure. If you want to have a fast pig, you might want to get one from um, uh, the Razorbacks. What was that? Arkansas, isn't that Arkansas, Arkansas Razorbacks? University of Arkansas is the Razorbacks. Have you ever heard of something like this, John? I boy, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that. How would it work for football, for example? I mean, uh, uh, and uh, I, ironically. The football is made from pig skin, so that's true. That's ah. true. Yeah, so could you know we'd have to we'd have to do some really deep research into that. Uh, but I, so I went I went looking to see if there were any other strange traditions like this, and I found some. Not they're not they're not quite the same. But John, but this is a, a good trivia uh, 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 question for John. So do you remember a baseball player? He's in the Hall of Fame. His name was Richie Ashburn. I do remember Richie Ashburn. Uh, was, played, yeah, go ahead. For the Phillies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Played for Philadelphia. Most of his career was with the Philadelphia Phillies. When when Richie Ashburn was on a hitting streak, uh, he would sleep with his bat in order to maintain. I know that streak. I know that uh that tale or what have you, or that uh yeah. yeah, that that story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna make any jokes about sleeping with bats because it would get all of us into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was an interesting tradition. Now, here's another one. Rico Cardi. I know you remember that name because Rico Cardi played at one time for the Cleveland uh, Indians, now the yes, Guardians. Yes. Uh, he was one of the first Dominican uh, players in, um, in, in the major leagues, uh, not, not just in the American League. Right. Uh, <clears throat> most of his career with the Atlanta Braves and also with the Indians. He's, uh, he, <laughs> so here's his, his quirk. He used to put floaters in the commode before every game, both home and away. Now, I'm going to get that picture out of your head. The floaters that he put in the commode were floating candles. He would take five candles, five little candles, like little votive candles from church, and uh -huh. he would put them in one of the commodes and he would light them. And he probably prayed. He probably had some, you know, some voodoo prayer that he prayed from the Dominican. <laughs> Before every game, every every game, home and away, they had to find a toilet for him to float five candles in order to prepare. They also had to make sure that whoever was in there before didn't. His tradition wasn't going to Taco Bell for lunch before the game. <laughs> oh boy! All right, now here's one more. 1984 Baltimore, or 1894. I'm sorry, 1894. Baltimore Orioles, one of the oldest franchises in uh, Major League Sports. They won 24 of their last 25 games by doing this. Before every game, all of the players would each drink an entire glass of turkey gravy. Oh. You would, yeah, you would think beer, <laughs> but no. They, for some reason, they decided that, you know, that somebody must have done it before a game that they won. So they said, oh, we need to do this all the time. So for the 24, the last 25 games, they, they, they won. They drank a glass of turkey gravy. Um, all I, <laughs> well, you know, that just brings up the point, though, Paul and Karen, that uh, there's a tremendous number of superstitions associated yeah. with Major League Baseball. Um, exactly. Many. Every, every team has some type of superstition or uh, – uh, process that they follow or whatever uh there's been books written on them actually as a matter of fact oh yeah yeah well these guys if you look them up they were considered to be some of the worst cheaters in baseball to this day to this day i can just see you know if they had one of the pitchers thrown a spitball after he downed up a, a, a oh, glass of oh. yeah. 
I mean, it, it's a grease ball, it's a spit ball, it's a gravy ball. It could be just about anything he's thrown <laughs> in. But oh, the other two things they did, um, uh, they they put soap on the pitcher's mound. They put soap on the pitcher's mound. So if the opposing team, um, uh, the opposing pitcher uh, might be sweating or something and wanted to get some dirt on his fingers, you know, like they do, he'd rub his fingers in the dirt on the mound. Instead of being dry, he'd end up getting soap on his fingers and made the ball more slippery. Oh, and the advantage have i mean that's how it goes a lot of times oh yeah the other thing they like to do and and i, I bet your teams do this to this day they would uh, grade the infield so that um uh the baselines were lopsided so the balls would go foul uh easier you know yeah when, really when they... the, sure the home <laughs> team would do it to their advantage obviously you know to this to the skills of their players that would be in the field yeah. sure oh yeah exactly. not in the practice yeah. This went back, you know, 1894. Cheating's been going on for a long time. Okay, another pig story. Now, this, uh, this, is, a, this is a fun one. There's no sports involved here. So there's a bartender in France. Her name is Carol Germain. She's, she's done so well in her new occupation that she's retired from bartending. What's her new occupation? She is a pig pedicurist. Now, we're looking oh, at a picture of a beautiful pork belly pig with a little flower in her ear and I'm, I'm assuming it's her ear maybe it's his ear i don't know but uh, the beautiful nails are trimmed and painted red uh so carol germain um heard about this because she had a pet pig her own pet pig and um uh she she couldn't find a podiatrist uh a, a pedicurist to trim wow. the nail yeah well it's worse. She's used to sleep with the pig. Okay. So her pig, Couscous is the name, cute, cute name, uh, weighs 132 pounds. Okay. So this is a big pig. Uh, and so she says she's waking up in the morning with scratches all over herself. Now I know people who would pay good money to see a video of that. Um, but she didn't like it. So she, she tried to find a pet, uh, pedicurist couldn't find one so she decided to learn how to do it herself here's another beautiful little pig uh, oh my gosh wearing a dress uh, nicely nicely trimmed nails now just <laughs> here's another one he's I, this must be I, I, I he looks like a male to me but his, his nails look really good um so uh <laughs> she said the biggest pig she's ever trimmed was 176 pounds massive massive pig um wow. so uh she she uh, she goes around the country now trimming nails. So just like you know, so so just like it, when she was tending bar, she works for tips. Uh, <laughs> she says her clients now are much better behaved than the ones in the bar. Uh, okay. So here's here's one more. This is just to show you how dangerous this is. Uh, here's a picture of a lady do, doing a pet uh, pedicure on a pig, and the guy the guy is holding on for dear life. Who's holding the pig? And she's got some kind of grinder that it looks like she's grinding the uh, the nails with. It doesn't look like it's fun for anybody, the the holder, the pig, or the uh, pedicurist. But you know, a job's a job, right? Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, okay. All right. So we got a couple of world records here. First one is uh, from Germany. Uh, German electrical engineering student Marcel Paul spent ten months modifying a toy car. We've talked about people who modify toy cars. This was a really tiny toy car designed for a child. <clears throat> he modified it and hit a speed, get ready for this, 92 and a quarter miles per hour. There's a picture of this tiny little car with a giant adult man on it, riding down a racetrack at 92 and a quarter miles an hour. World record for the fastest ride on toy car modified the um you know 10 year old boys were lined up along the side here to you know to, to hopefully to pick up tips on how to do this themselves they also learned a lot of swear words because look at how low to the ground this guy is yeah i can imagine yeah, really that no kidding wow right uh you know i'm sure barbie wants one of these ken's gonna have to get one for it be all done this is this looks like an electric car that I can afford because I can't afford any of the other ones. But yeah, this one really. looks, might be right. my speed. Uh, now, Karen, 
Karen, I know, is the proud owner of a Roomba. I was thinking, I was thinking about your Roomba here. This would be the perfect thing for Rich to do, to ride around the house. You know, maybe he could modify the Roomba to make it go faster. Um, maybe, yeah. Fun, yeah. Then I thought, you know, what the Roomba does. The Roombas go underneath the bed. And then he'd get stuck underneath the bed and he'd probably do it on a day when you're not home and he'd be stuck under the bed all day yelling until you came back and, and got him out. Uh, so maybe it's not such a good idea. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Another strange car story. This one comes from China. Chinese electric car company, another electric car company. Neo is the name. They unveiled uh, their ultra premium ET9 electric car with a special option that causes it to do this. Here's a photo of it. Uh, I, the video is much better. What this car does when it's covered with snow, it shakes, it bounces and shakes and knocks all of the snow off of the car. Oh my so you don't, have to, uh, you don't have to go out with a scraper or a brush like we do in Cleveland every morning. Uh, you just but you probably do it remotely, like you do a remote start. You hit the remote start, you hit the remote shake, and the car actually shakes until all the snow is off. The video is unbelievable. It's the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. It, they <laughs> said it's like a dog. It's like when a dog comes in from outside from running in right, the snow. Yeah. yeah, they stop at the door, they shake, all the snow goes all over the place. <laughs> That's If this car were sold in Cleveland, where it snows every day, we would... They would have to come with with a, a year supply of motion sickness pills. Yeah, because uh, right, I think know, so. Yeah, you know, you'd be driving someplace and the car's covered with snow again. You stop at the light, you'd shake it, and then you start feeling, oh, gee, I don't feel so good now. I shouldn't <laughs> have eaten a Taco Bell. <laughs> I guess it comes, with, it comes with a bumper sticker that reads, "If this car is rocking, don't come expecting to get to work on time because it's snowing outside." Ah, uh, right. That's the, that's the warning there. Yeah, this is a perfect idea for people who hate cleaning their cars. Now, <laughs> this is Cleveland. There's a there's a thing called Cleveland Clean. And I know Karen and John have seen this. Every All of our listeners in Cleveland have seen this. You've probably seen it in other cities, and it's called something else. And it's basically your neighbor who's too lazy to clean off their car. So what they do is they clear out a little section of, of the window right in front of the driver's face. And that's all that's cleaned up, just enough for them to pull out of the driveway. And then they drive down the street really fast, hoping that all of the snow on the roof falls off the roof and down the back window and cleans it off for them. That's the Cleveland clean, John. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, aptly you know, named. <laughs> I know John doesn't. Uh, wow. So now this reminded me of some cars we used to see in Houston. And I thought about this when we lived in Houston. I thought this would be a great idea, and then I never went any place with it. But lowriders. Here's a photo of a lowrider. Now everybody knows what a lowrider is. It's a it's a hot, a hot old uh, '60s car that's been mm -hmm. modified to bounce up and down. And this here's a picture of a car right here. It's by practically bouncing off the ground. It's bouncing so high. I thought that would be a great uh, option for cars in up north to bounce all the snow off of them. Nobody listened to me now. Now this Chinese company has a deal. I didn't know. This. Yeah. Lowriders uh, originated in California, in the Mexican neighborhood of California. Um, the, 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 the Mexicans who lived there, uh, who, who moved from, from Mexico, uh, bought these cars. And they, they like to modify them to, to be low to the ground. That's the way they like to ride, low to the ground. Problem is... The there, it's against the law to ride low to the ground. There has to be a certain clearance. So what they did, they would buy these uh, hydraulic lifters and install them someplace underneath the car so that they could ride low. And then as soon as somebody said got on the CB and said, you know, Smokey's coming or, or the cops, they would quickly press a button and the hydraulics would lift it back up so that oh, they were riding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were riding at the normal level. I had no idea. I always wondered why they did this. That's the reason why. So it was a legitimate, okay. like like having a radar detector. Uh huh. Um, Makes sense. So, yeah, I don't know if this would be good for anything else. I don't think you could shake the bugs off your windshield or um, <laughs> maybe. Be high to do that. Well. 
Yeah, um, you, you wash the car, you don't feel like wiping it dry. You can just let it shake itself dry. Uh, all right, so while we're talking about Texas, this is a feel-good story from the Houston Zoo. I've been to the Houston Zoo a number of times. Uh, zookeepers there had a stick-like grasshopper called a Peruvian jumping stick. And when it shed, it sheds its exoskeleton. And its back was weak from, from shedding. So they were afraid that it would break in half. So what they did was one of the vets took a, a Q-tip and they carefully taped the Q-tip to the back of this walking stick so that his back could heal um, safely until, until it was solid. And then they removed it and, and he was back to normal. Um, <clears throat> this amazed me. What's even more amazing is that the walking stick had medical insurance uh, that covered it. <laughs> Anthem, Anthem was the name of it. Wow. Anthem. Hey. Uh, yeah. Anthem. Um, the vet, the vet learned how to put insects on sticks at his summer job. He worked at a, an Asian food stand, and that's where you learn how to put uh, insects on sticks. Not yeah. to save their lives, though, as, as I'm sure you can figure out. Um, the uh, the vet, it was tough for the vet who worked on it because he goes to his assistant. He sees what he needs. He says, "I need a, um, uh, I need, I need something. I need a pencil. I need a pencil." And his assistant's like 19 years old. And they said, what's a pencil? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever seen one of these either in a zoo or, or out in the wild? No. I have not. Yeah, I've seen them um, in, in Texas, in, in a couple of parts of Texas. I've seen them out in the wild. They're the most amazing creatures, these, these giant walking sticks. They're like living dinosaurs. Um, yeah. They, I understand they migrated from Louisiana, where they almost went extinct because the people in Louisiana were fond of making fried stick on a stick. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> all right, let's move on to France. Um, so in France, uh, another, another sport here for us. The uh, waiters and waitresses in Paris uh, are participate, they're training right now, they're to participate in a race called the Course the Garçons de Café, which means the Café Waiters Race. This is a 1.2-mile race through the narrow streets of Paris's historic uh, café center. They have to wear a white shirt, dark trousers, and an apron. They have to carry a tray with, with a dish of croissants, coffee, and water. They have to carry it for a mile, 1.2 miles, for a chance to win uh, a prize uh, uh, from a purse of uh, over a hundred thousand dollars in prizes. Isn't that amazing? To, to, to here's here's uh, some some female wait, waiters waitresses also doing it. So right. they have to, yeah. The toughest part toughest part is the home stretch because they go through a really crowded area where there's a bunch of American tourists and they're all trying to to grab the waiter because they can't understand the, the menu because it's in French and they want to. Uh, <laughs> Such a so dilemma, they, most people. A dilemma, that's right. They can't, um, they can't run. They have to walk. So they have to walk. Uh, they can't spill anything. Uh, otherwise, they're disqualified, um, which, which would disqualify me. I can't carry my coffee cup from the coffee pot to the table without spilling it. Uh, the lovely Maybe Donna, I, yeah. yeah, she put in brown linoleum because she was tired of wiping it up. It's just, uh, <laughs> I think... I think what they should do is at some point in this race, they should make the waiters light cigarettes along the way, because, you know, everybody's at these cafes smoking cigarettes here. So, you know, they, they have to light at least three cigarettes. Oh, my damn mademoiselle. Oh, yeah, run over with the lighter, light the cigarette, keep on running. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry, John, we probably, you know, maybe we can use this later. Everybody will forget we talked about it. I'll do, uh, we'll do some research on it. Now, maybe, maybe it might surface as a sport. Maybe it'll surface as a sport in the future here. We'll have to see. There we go. Okay. So this uh, this was the most popular story on Facebook this week where I pay, post uh, some of the stories on, on um, uh, b before we do the show. So uh, Tijan is the, the lady's name, and Matthew Brown from Kensington, Maryland, set a Guinness World Record for the most concerts attended in one year team of two when they went to 135 concerts in 2023 
135 concerts in 365 days, spent a total of $18,400 on tickets to see Beyonce, Lizzo, Billy Joel, Stevie Nicks, you name it, they saw them. Uh, they even they, they set a second record for the most times they said to each other, where did we park? I thought you... <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's a consideration. Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. And here they are. Here's the lovely couple right here, standing in front of two theaters here. Um, so the wife, the wife, she knows where all the women's bathrooms are in every venue because you know that's the first thing you got to find. Uh, yeah. I wonder though, you know, uh, the, 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 here's the here's the, this one concert here. They're seeing Billy Idol. I wonder if it counted if they saw like a tribute band. You know, if they went to see Sly and the Family of Pebbles instead of Sly and the oh. Family. Of would that count? Uh, or Pink Floyd the Barber, which was <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad, Paul. That one's not bad. Pink Floyd tribute band that also did the, the, the intro to the Andy Griffith show. John, uh -huh. how, I, just out of curiosity, do you, what, what's the most concert you think you've seen in a year? I would say probably five. I would say probably five or six concerts back many years ago when I used to see a lot of groups. I'd say probably five or six concerts a year would pretty much be my max, I would say. At the prices today, that's quite a bit. You know, that, that's oh, it quite would a be. bit. Absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, boy. I'm all excited. <laughs> <coughs> You really got him there, John. Oh, <laughs> you did. I didn't mean to do that, Paul. Sorry. Something in that water. Something in the water. It must have been a piece of pork. All right. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. I want to get to this story here for John and our Catholic friends. Um, so this story comes from Spain. Uh, the uh, uh, police in Spain have put the country's nuns on high notice. Mm to be on the lookout for hackers because at least 15 convents have been hacked by um, uh, hackers using artificial intelligence to create the voices and faces of local bishops. And they had them calling the nuns, the bishops in their voice, calling the nuns and asking for money. <coughs> Excuse me. What a scheme the it is. What a scheme. Wow. Is it, yeah, really. It's terrible. It's terrible. Um, so the nuns are helping the police. What they're doing is the nuns are creating their own videos of, of nuns beating hackers with, with yardsticks. Um, you know, here's one right here. Here's a nun. Oh, boy. Sure <laughs> oh, looks like John. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. John. I don't think the tables have been turned on me. I mean, I could have been on the receiving side when I was a younger Younger oh, okay. <laughs> so, so John and I, we, we both went to Catholic schools in Parma, Ohio. We both had Ursuline nuns, if I'm correct. That is correct. Mm. That is correct. That's right. Now, this is not an Ursuline, but she looks pretty close. John, yeah. did your nun wield, wield the yardstick um, back at St. Charles? I, yes. Yes. We're going to, the person will remain nameless. Okay. But uh, yes, there was the. <laughs> In fact, I even have a quote for you that we used to use at school. In fact, this nun even used it as a moniker for what she was doing with the Board of Discipline. Oh. It, was the board, it was the Board of Discipline. And some, of the, some of the people that may have attended that school, uh, they might know of the Board of Discipline. But uh, yeah. yeah. Many of our memories are, are probably far more violent than they actually were, uh, but we were also smaller than we are now. Right, uh, exactly. It's funny. I, I like this story because I, I just had a discussion with some friends of mine from my grade school uh, not long ago, and <clears throat> some of them feared the yardstick. Others feared the pointer. Um, I think I have a photo of, uh, oh, here's, here's a nun wielding a, po a pointer here. Also, a couple doing judo. I don't know how where they learned that. Huh. Um, but uh, a nun with a pointer, you know, they had a rubber tip. I think they had a rubber tip. I'm yeah. not sure. That would that would make you a ninja nun, you know, like they waving those um, um, sticks around those nunchuck right. sticks. Right. I think I have a photo. Here's here's a, a ninja nun. There we go. A ninja nuns of evil. I think that was a comic book. Um, 
look at that. One nun's got a but got a paddle there. Another one's got two crucifixes on a chain. Boy, this is that's a I didn't. <laughs> that. That's pretty oh, rough looking right there. Wow. <laughs> These are pretty violent nuns here. <clears throat> so. Um, uh, one of these hackers posed as the archbishop, you know, so the head bishop, Bishop uh, Sebastian, and uh, called the nuns in his voice, and he he was asking for five thousand dollars for surgery. So I'm thinking, where where are nuns going to get five thousand dollars? Number one, um, unless they've got some really bad habits. Um, oh, thank you okay. for the. It was appropriate. I know. So the hackers, I, as I said, they hacked both the, the physical features of the of the bishop and his voice. <clears throat> but the one nun shit said that it didn't sound like him. So she even said, you know, your your eminency or whatever you call the bishop. She said, um, it doesn't sound like you. And he says, oh, I need surgery on my throat. That's what I need the money for. So, uh, I mean, I agree with John. I, I would be terrified to scam a nun, even as an adult, but certainly as a kid, I would have been terrified. Yeah, you can incur some wrath, I think, doing that, Paul, and Karen in an audience. I really you think know so. What would you know what would happen. The first thing that would happen is that she would take that board and she'd whack us. Okay, so that's the first thing that would happen. You'd get whacked in school. Then you'd go home and you'd get whacked at home. Yeah. And then, And then if it was bad enough, one of your parents would take you back to school to the mother superior to get whacked again. And <laughs> didn't want to get whacked by the mother superior because normally they use either hand, which is why they were superior. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. so, you know, those days you did not do things like this to none. That was the most dangerous thing I could possibly think of doing. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, boy, I, I love that picture. That's uh, for, for those of you who, are, who aren't on uh, YouTube, it's worth it to, to take a look at the ninja nuns because they look scary to me, especially if you had Catholic, uh, if you went to Catholic grade school. All right. So, in fact, I'll mention this to, to uh, I'll do a shout out to my friend Gary, who uh, who also went to the, to the Catholic grade school that I went to and lives on the same street that I grew up on. I know Gary listens to the show occasionally. Gary, you would love this picture. So take a look at it now. Uh, this uh, we've reached the end of the news portion here. That means it's time for What in the World of Sports with John Danalo. Every week I ask John to find us a strange sport, similar, um, uh, you know, fitting with the theme of real news, sometimes strange, always funny. John always manages to find a sport for it. An unusual twist on the sport this week. I'll let John explain it to you. Go ahead, John. Sounds good, Paul. Thanks for the introduction. So our sport this week is cornhole. Now, on the surface, they may appear to be not consistent with what we have here on What in the World of Sports, but if there is anyone who is out there who is unfamiliar with cornhole, please go to a picnic. Exactly. I mean, if you're living under a rock or something like that, you might not know about this sport, okay? Because it is so popular. Now, the difference is horseshoes is, I mean, excuse me, uh, cornhole is not like horseshoes, which was a game that was played many years ago and is still played by a lot of people. But instead of having horseshoes, in cornhole, you have little bags of corn and posts that are slanted boards with holes. And you can see a very good description, uh, yeah. or a very good example, I should say, right there on the screen. Now, it's, it's horseshoes to... with a bag of corn. That's it. You throw it in a hole. Corn hole. Right, John? Corn hole. <laughs> All making sense. But we're talking cornhole this week because of recent news. Oh. There's a recent news story about the sport that I'm sure a lot of people are not aware of. For the record, a pair of Colorado high school cornhole players who are looked at as being phenoms, Gavin Hammond and Jackson Remick, they're both 17, they have just made history. And they made history by becoming the first players to earn Division I college Cornhole scholarships. Whoa. They will be, 
these two these two youngsters will be playing next year for Winthrop University in South Carolina, and the scholarships will cover half of their yearly tuition. Now, is these that unbelievable? It is unbelievable. But these teammates attended Thunder Ridge High School in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, and they are regarded, they are ranked as five-star recruits in the wow. game, in the game, even though they only picked up cornhole a few years ago. It turns out that Hammond became interested in the sport when he started going to a bar with his parents two and a half years ago. <laughs> Uh, and, and then, you know, when he was doing this, he was playing in a local league. Um, oh. so, yeah, the, the boys played in other sports. Um, uh, Remick had played baseball, but Cornhole had taken them around the country to compete in tournaments. So wow. it really became a vocation for these two young men. Now, currently, college Cornhole is only a club sport and is not sanctioned by the NCAA. So teams must participate in various tournaments organized by other groups. The biggest is the National College Cornhole Championship, or the NCCC, which held its annual tournament in December in a beautiful area, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And that tournament was won by the University of South Carolina. Other teams that compete in collegiate cornhole include the University of Texas, Southern Methodist University, Duke, Notre Dame, the University of Florida, Minnesota, Iowa, Florida State, Cincinnati, North Carolina State, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee. Wow. So obviously a lot of these schools are located in the South, but some are in the Midwest. Um, yeah. Now, there may not be a final mm -hmm. Or, or bowl championship series for cornhole just yet. But with schools of that size competing, you can bet there will be more scholarships being offered for the nation's top high school cornhole players. You'll know collegiate cornhole has arrived when the halftime show has marching bands throwing tuba players into giant holes. <laughs> oh, I can so see the Ohio a, State marching band doing that. <laughs> some of these schools that have renowned marching bands, I mean, that's going to yeah. be, this is something that's coming. On what in the world, you're going to be on the leading edge of a lot of information, and here's a good example of it. Yep. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, there you go. Here's a picture of the championship University of South Carolina cornhole team. Unbelievable. Scott Cornhole Scholarship. What has this world come to? Uh, well, great, great uh, story, John. Great story. Great update on Cornhole oh, for us. Thank uh, you, Pam. And, you know, we, we joke, but kudos to the two kids who got college scholarships. Boy, that's just great to be able to uh, get ha half of your tuition paid for throwing throwing corn. <laughs> I, I've, ne I've never played Cornhole because nobody ever invites me to a picnic. Oh well, we'll have to. Well, Karen, I was gonna. Well, we'll have to do that. But Karen, go to a bar. I mean, they play, <laughs> they play carnival at bars too. I they probably play it at the temple or at church. I know they play it at our church uh, during picnics. So <laughs> you know, bingo and cornhole. That's it at the Catholic church. Um, <laughs> all right, great sport, John. You know, John. Uh, you mentioned you're wearing the hat of our of our own uh, uh, beloved college, John Carroll University. Yeah, I, I wonder if John Carroll is thinking about having a uh, cornhole team. Well, I don't have any idea. I have no idea. We would be the perfect people to coach the corn the collegiate cornhole team at our alma mater because I don't know if you remember this, but way back when we were there, we participated in a cornhole tournament against another fraternity. Do you remember that? You know, I really don't, Paul. Help help remind me on this one. <laughs> well, you were in charge of, of filling the bags. <laughs> we had to bring our own equipment. I think, I think buy I it from my memory. That's why I don't remember it. <laughs> 
we couldn't, you know, this was back in the ancient time, prehistoric times as, as far as cornhole goes. And you couldn't buy cornhole equipment at, at your local uh, store. So, so John, I was in charge of making the board and John, John was in charge of getting the corn and filling the bag. Well, John, as you know, he's, he, he really gets into it when he, when he gets involved with these things. So John got the corn, but I think he got a little too much corn. Here's a picture of John. Oh my uh, gosh, John, where are you? That's why I can't recall this folks, because uh, I mean, it was all over my head and I, I really couldn't see anything. Buried in the corn. Wow. That's all you could see was John's hand sticking out of the coin. That's how we knew it was John. We recognized his dirty fingernails over there. So, <laughs> so we quick, quick thinking by fraternity guys, who had just finished a keg of beer, What we realized that John was using popcorn. So we quickly heated up the corn and saved John's life. There he is. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Fully emerging from the popcorn. <laughs> now I remember. Now, now it comes back to me. Wow. How about that? <laughs> All right. Collegiate Cornhole Scholarships. Only at What in the World? Everybody's favorite place for weird news and weird sports thank you again john uh oh, you're welcome volunteer audience thank yes, you it's time for um uh bluff the co-host everybody's favorite weird news show uh favorite weird news game um uh the rules are simple rules are simple we have three stories similar to the ones that i've been telling all afternoon one big difference all of those stories were real the stories in bluff the co-host May be real, they may be a bluff. One, two, or all three, maybe one or the other. It's up to Karen and John and you playing at home to decide real or bluff. Wagering is allowed, so place your bets. John and Karen, hands on the buzzer, and let's get right to story number one. <clears throat> Employees at a software company in Silicon Valley were bored looking out the windows at robotic mowers making random patterns as they mowed the company lawn. So they hacked into the mower's firmware and created the world's first robotic art mowers. By downloading a special app, the mowers began cutting the lawn while making patterns of famous paintings. A favorite of the employees is the Mona Lisa, but the hackers also liked the Whistler's Mother and the Last Snipper. The maker of the mowers was so impressed that even though this negated the warranty on the mowers, they bought the software and now are offering the apps as an option. Okay, so Silicon Valley company hacked into, which a hacking is a theme here, hacked into robotic mowers and had them making paintings like mowing in the shape of the Mona Lisa in the Last Supper. Real or bluff, Karen? What do you say? Wow. You know, there's a lot of hackers out there, and I just have to say that it's probably a true story. Probably true story. Okay, so we'll we'll that pushes the needle to the real. Yeah, uh, John, how about you? You know, I agree with Karen on this. I think it's real, but I have to offer a caution here or a caveat. Um, I I wonder how good these actual pictures are of, of, of these famous people i mean how can you i mean is it possible of course it is uh and i'm going to say it is possible but to me i'm still skeptical a little bit oh okay all right so again the, the needle is not all the way pegged to real but close enough that we we count it as a real or from john yes yes real from john correct. real let's check with the judges the judges say that was a bluff there's no way. <laughs> it's way. You're right, John. It's far too uh, 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 delicate to, to to draw the Mona Lisa. Uh, with them. Okay. With but it's more. but it's kind of interesting though, Paul and Karen. I mean, I it's kind of an interesting idea, right? Okay, maybe this is the start of someone hearing our show and thinking about doing that. Stay there tuned. You go. Stay tuned. Somebody will, and they'll make the money, and we won't. We won't. <laughs> Well, they better remember they heard it here first. I've left right. the call. Okay. That's right. That's uh, right. Zero, zero, boy. Ooh, ooh, scoreless tie here. Let's get to story number two. Zookeepers, <coughs> excuse me. Zookeepers can tell if an elephant is pregnant by testing their dung piles. 
but a zoo in England has five female Asian elephants in a single pen with one male. So the keepers have started feeding each female different colored glitter so they can link each pile to the proper pachyderm. The keepers then send the glittered samples to a lab which does the pregnancy test. While it's not as exciting as a gender reveal party, the announcement of the pregnant poo colors is becoming a major event at the zoo with attendance up on announcement days and a lot of wagering on which elephant it might be. The elephants can't bet, but some visitors are actually betting on the red elephant because they swear they saw the male winking at the female that made the red glittery piles. Okay, <laughs> so the zoo in England that feeds its female elephants different colored glitter so they can tell whose poo pile they should test to see if they're pregnant or not. Real or bluff, John, we'll start with you. Well, I'm going to say clearly this is the most gross uh, bluff we've heard in a long time. Paul. It is, it is, I mean, it really is. But uh, I, I now I think that there's a kernel of truth in this. A kernel? Oh! I'm going to say, oh, going to say it's, a, it's a true story. True story. <laughs> All right, John says that glitter poo is true. Karen, how about you? A little bit of poetry um, there. I'm I'm gonna say that it's unreal. No, don't like no. it. No, unreal. Okay. All right. So Karen says there's no there's no true poo story in the no true <laughs> in the poo. <laughs> and John says that's a real story. Let's check with the judges, and the judges say. Not only is that a true story, but I have been to that zoo. <laughs> it's, it's the Blackpool Zoo in Blackpool, England. Beautiful resort area, uh, beautiful uh, uh, boardwalk down there. And that's what they do. They, they It was a, a story on the news. They put glitter in their food. It's edible glitter, so no no elephants are harmed in the making of the poo. Uh, Interesting. All right. Hey, John. That has... Uh, has leaped into the lead one to nothing here. But wow. regular listeners know points are double in round number three. So uh, Karen could still win the game. So let's get right to it. Okay. We've heard about towns in India being overrun by wild monkeys, but no one talks about the mess they leave behind after they eat. People in one suburb of Delhi are tired of stepping in monkey poo and the lack of response by the city services department in picking it up. So they've taken matters into their own hands. Make that feet. The city is now ringed with kiosks that rent boots for people to wear while they're walking around the town through the monkey poo. Just like rented bowling shoes, they're sprayed before you put them on and cleaned after they've been removed. For just a few dollars a day, your shoes stay clean and no monkeys are harmed or annoyed by people who stepped in their poo. Could this be the solution to the pigeon poop problem in downtown Cleveland? Okay, so kiosks that rent boots in Delhi so people don't have to step in monkey poo. Real or bluff? Karen, back to you. Well, I think it's a good idea. You know, uh, first of all, the city's going to make some extra money. And I don't have to get my shoes dirty, so I'm going to say it's real. Aaron says it's real. John, how about you? Well, this is a strange one, obviously, uh, as they all are. Um, I just think it's kind of cumbersome that people have to walk around in red boots to be able to walk around monkey poop. I mean, come on. you got to be kidding me with this. But, but I'm agreeing with Karen on this because it's probably the best solution right now um, before they get rid of the monkeys. And nothing against monkeys by any means or monkey lovers here, but uh, I mean, that's, uh, that is very, very, very bizarre. <laughs> okay, so so let me get it straight. So so you say it's real? Yes, I say it's real, yes. We got a reel from our poo expert here, John, yeah. and, and a reel from Karen as well, yeah. two reels. Let's check with the judges, and the judges say, we bluffed you again. That's a, that oh my is gosh. not- Wow. But I agree. Wow. I it, it, after I wrote it, I thought, you know, if we if if we could pull something off like this, and I was thinking about goose, 
you know, how we have the Canadian geese. Yeah. And so oh, many- sure. We have them everywhere in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking this would be, a, this might be a good idea for, uh, for Cleveland, uh, places where there's uh, goose poo all over the place. Absolutely. Uh, who would have thought we'd be talking about poo so much on Bluff the Cold? <laughs> hey, really? I hope we're not going in the wrong direction here, Paul and Karen. Well, yeah, no, no, no. That's it for this week. But I, I, we have to congratulate John because John is our winner this week with uh, with one correct answer. Oh, thank you. So, Very good. I had, to I, mean, myself. I had to give some credit to Annette as we were doing a lot of studying this week uh, to make sure that uh, I can at least get one or one right. So uh, we accomplished the goal. So uh, good job. Good job. Karen, she can take a break this week from yep. uh, from the flat. That's right. Duty. That's right. Okay, so that means we have reached the end of another uh, whopping, uh, whopping funny edition of uh, What in the World. Um, I hope you guys had as much fun listening to the show as we do putting it on. And by we, I mean Karen Hale, our media mogul, our producer, uh, the head of NewClevelandRadio.net, our sponsor with uh, Yes I Can, coaching with Karen. Um, all the things. To thank you for all the things you do for us. Please go to NewClevelandRadio.net, check out how to download our podcast, how to watch it on YouTube, and then check out all the other great podcasts that Karen has. As always, I thank my fraternity brother, my old friend, uh, John Dinalo. Uh, great, uh, great, great time this week. Uh, as always, uh, the uh, Go John Carroll Blue Streaks. I hope you guys win, uh, uh, keep on winning in the uh, uh, NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's very big. It, you know, they, they've had a really good... Uh, program for the last several years and uh actually the coach who had been there for a long time pete moran his son mike moran is in charge of the program now yeah. and uh right. you know really really he's done a fine job and uh again it's just uh, a very good very good achievement uh for uh guys that play hard right a lot of people that compete in division three you know they're not scholarship players they're not people that are going to be recognized anywhere uh they play for the love of the sport and you know they play for all the right reasons so uh you know let's uh, let's wish them good luck not like those cornholes getting scholarships yeah <laughs> well, you never know they could be on the horizon even for john carroll <laughs> there you go all right and as always you want to thank everybody out there listening or watching the show you're the reason why we do the show every week um Without you, we would we we wouldn't have anybody to listen to us. Uh, uh, we we hope you have as much fun uh, listening as we do putting the show on. Uh, if you want to get a shout out, send me a, a message on Facebook or send Karen a message on NewClevelandRadio.net. On that note, I think uh, it's it's still daylight outside, so I think I'm going to go outside and enjoy a, a bit of the warm weather before it uh, gets cold in Cleveland again. And I have to get my figure out how to make my car shake the snow off. Uh, <laughs> really really very good Paul. sounds like a good idea right. back we're back next week same time same place